there's a lot of houses and a lot of blocks and a lot of people that want service and it just takes time and it also takes a lot of money it's the balance Welcome to episode 359 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This week we have a return guest on the show, Travis Carter, CEO of U.S. Internet. The company, a local internet service provider, has been deploying their fiber network in Minneapolis for several years now, and Travis is here to talk about the process. He explains what it's like to coordinate with city officials and talks in-depth about the actual process involved in obtaining the necessary permits and permissions to build a fiber optic network in a metropolitan area. He talks about the learning curve for both the company and city officials and explains the business decisions U.S. Internet has made in order to continue their expansion. Travis also addresses some of the practical matters related to customer service and hiring and shares some personal experiences. Before we get to the interview with Travis, however, we want to bring a special message from a former guest about an upcoming event. Hey everybody, Ron Placone here. Myself, along with Fight for the Future, are holding an epic live stream for net neutrality on June 11th. June 11th marks one year since the FCC repealed net neutrality. Without net neutrality protections, the internet as we know it and all the shows and podcasts that everybody loves could cease to exist. Well, we're here to tell the FCC and Congress that we demand net neutrality. Join us at EpicLivestream.com on June 11th to take our internet back. That's EpicLivestream.com. Thanks, Ron. And now on to the interview with Travis Carter from U.S. Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. There you go. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I'm standing, sitting next to Travis Carter, the man who gets me to do those introductions in such a lively manner. I love him. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Hey, this is the third time. Yes. And and I and I think we're going to have at least one more as I try to tackle you in the field. Wonderful. Let's learn do it. Some of these processes. You know, the introduction actually follows the exact same intonation as I think it's the Leroy Jenkins. Oh, um, World of Warcraft. There yeah, you go. That famous cla- video. Is- the classic wow. <laughs> if you if you listen to how I do the intro, it's actually pretty similar to Which if you're a real Leroy nerd, Jenkins. Re-releasing this fall, by the way. So oh, really? If you'd like to rerun that instance, <laughs> you're, you're welcome to. I remember the first time I saw that clip, and I fell in love. Oh, <laughs> yes, my youth, World of Warcraft. It was such a great game. So, for people who didn't hear your other two appearances, who are you, and what do you do? My name is Travis Carter. I'm the uh, recently nominated CEO of U.S. Internet, and we are a Minneapolis-based internet service provider. The last of the 175 of us that started in 1995. And over the years, uh, as a lot of people have, you know, that understand the industry, the technologies have shifted. We've been through a wireless iteration. We've been through uh, various uh, telecommunications type technologies, DSL and frame relay, et cetera, et cetera. And for the last nine years, We've been rolling out uh, fiber in the south side of Minneapolis to the residents and businesses and multi-dwelling units. And this is actually, yes, our ninth season of actually deploying fiber in the city of Minneapolis. And we're, we're starting to get a pretty good-sized footprint out there. I'd say, yeah. You're, um, I think you told me before, is it 65,000, 75,000? Yeah, houses? I think we're just past our 75,000th home we've passed. 
And again, I don't like to emphasize that it's just homes. It's whatever we pass. Mm -hmm. Businesses, schools, apartments, et cetera. Right. You recently had a, a pretty sizable and recurring uh, attack, a, a denial of service attack on your network. Which is what I thought it was on a <laughs> Sunday night at 8 o'clock central time. Because I'm not a big TV watcher, I, I was assuming there was something malicious happening on the internet. But after some uh, analysis, we determined there was a show called Game of Thrones, and it was the <laughs> final season. Now, to put it in perspective, we usually go through the Super Bowl and the Final Four and all these very highly streamed um, you know, episodes that go on, but they morphed in comparison to Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. That is the single largest streaming consumption that we've seen since the inception of the company. It was it was unbelievable. And that was the first day, right? I mean, the, it was the uh, episode, eight, one. episode one. Mm -hmm. And then it continued on for the next up, up until this last Sunday when the finale happened. So I'm assuming next Sunday will be relatively normal. Right. Do you know what was the biggest peak the first episode or the last episode or somewhere? Almost between? all the same. Okay. You know, they were, uh, I think we were pushing somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 35 gigabit of just Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. It just it boggles my mind if you think about it from a national level or even an international level, how much consumption was happening just to sh show this one television program. Yeah, how much electricity did yeah, it take yeah. to move it out there? I suppose I should probably watch it now, that it's, uh, <laughs> if, if that many people are. Well, it depends. There's some people who found the ending sufficiently um, unbelievable or not fun. I, hmm. I myself also haven't seen it. I'm... Um, I'm, uh, I pick and choose a little bit and I hadn't gotten into that because in part I, it has to be amazing for me to dedicate that amount of time to it. Yeah. yeah it's, um, well, and then the first thing I didn't know is they're 90 minutes long. So we had effectively this 90 minute denial of service attack happening. Mm -hmm. The luckily, because it's a fiber based network, it really had zero impact on it. It was just the new high. Right. And we hadn't seen anything like that, uh, in the past. So at least we now know we can handle Game of Thrones. And even even like five, seven years ago, people would be talking about how that could bankrupt you because of the transit costs, of the, your costs of, of getting that content. How much did it cost you to, to for those 30 to 35 gigabits? The little secret in our industry, almost nothing. Right. Yeah, the fiber is <laughs> there. It's hooked up to people's homes. It's hooked up to the, you know, to the content delivery networks, in this case, Akamai. So we effectively went from a computer in our data center to all of these homes. There, was, there wasn't internet per se. It was mm -hmm. delivering locally. So a little bit of electricity, and that was about it. Right. Now tell me about your, your goal for Minneapolis. So the ultimate goal, which I hope to realize here in the next five years, is to have Minneapolis be the first NFL-sized city that'll be fully 100% covered with fiber optic connectivity in every square inch of the city. Now, if you look at a map of Minneapolis, the the vast majority of Minneapolis is actually what we call the south side, the south side of Minneapolis, and we're about three quarters done uh, at the end of this season. And so we'll continue through finishing south Minneapolis, then we'll make our way up to north and northeast, which geographically are smaller, so it won't take us as long to cover, mm -hmm. and then we will have the entire city complete. Now, there will always be little pockets and roads and things that may be stragglers, predominantly the downtown corridor, 
They don't really like you digging up, they being the city, digging up streets that they just remodeled a year ago. So we might have to wait five, six years to be able to get in there. But in the interim, we're going to get all the neighborhoods and all the, the vast majority done and then continue to expand out from there. I, I told you I was just on Hennepin for a, a, um, a, a comedian mm-hmm. um, and I saw Orange Conduit um, yep. on Hennepin. Was that for you? Yep, yep, that's us. Yep, as as the city is resurfacing and redoing the main corridors, we're getting our conduit in at that time. So down Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis, we're about halfway down mm-hmm. this year. We'll finish it up next year, and then we'll have a complete fiber conduit through the downtown corridor on that street, mm-hmm. coinciding with the street they're being remodeled. And then uh, also right around there, I think it, it might be ninth. I'm not sure, maybe eighth. One of them is just totally gone. Yeah. And so you're getting in there as well. You got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's really key. And it's something we learned along the way is if you get plugged into the, you know, the streets department, you can, especially in these downtown hard surface areas, you can, you can get in alongside them. It's a couple of years in the making, but you can, you can definitely get in there and make it happen. And so how does that work? I mean, is it just like they tell you like, okay, you've got this week in May where you can do it or how does it yeah, coordinate? Yeah, they give you a, a time slot to get in. And mm-hmm. so you're, you need to be very coordinated. You need to have all your parts and pieces. You get in there, you do the construction and you get out and then you let the next subcontractor go in. So think of it like layers of the cake. You know, we'll go in from a network standpoint, then the the electricity, the water sewer guy, you know, until mm-hmm. ultimately they overlay the road and the mm-hmm. sidewalks. In talking about Minneapolis, I understand you recently got a, it's almost like a superpower. Yeah, I didn't even really honestly appreciate this when I discovered it, but and I didn't even understand that apparently cities have this concept that they put out. I don't know if this is a federal or a local thing, but at least for Minneapolis, they have this 20-year plan, mm-hmm. which uh, Minneapolis, you know, I thought was pretty original, called it Minneapolis 2040, right? So, okay. And <laughs> nice I just round hap- numbers. Yeah, I just happened to be perusing through there, and I happened to look in the technology section, and deep buried in the technology section was a was a line in there that said that one of the charters of this 2040 plan was to enable fiber optic connectivity for every citizen in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's cool. That's us, right? You know, that right. must be us because as far as I know, the <laughs> incumbents aren't doing it anymore. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. We're in there. And I just kind of forgot about it. Well, fast forward, I was at a city meeting with the, I like to go down there every year to give them an idea of where we're going to be working and meet meet all the people. And I just happened to mention that we were in this 2040 plan and you could literally see on their face like, oh, really? <laughs> You're a celebrity now. I didn't even, they're like, oh, well, that kind of sort of changes everything. And it's, it's really, I, I don't want to say it's like this ultimate power, but we're now part of the plan. And when you're part of the plan for a city, that's kind of the uh, the recipe for what's going to happen over the next. So it's really helped us navigate some of these more challenging projects. I always just say, "Hey, we're in the plan," mm-hmm. and it, things seem to happen. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't know if you knew, but uh, but we're in the plan. We're yeah, in the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got that going for you. What do you want me to tell them? We're in the plan. I mean, <laughs> so, and I didn't even ask to be in the plan. I don't even know how we got in there, but we're in the plan. 
I think there's a there's a, some sense a lot of people and I, and I would even say myself don't really know how you have to interface with the city. But one of the things that, that you and I have talked about, if I remember correctly, is that you know you have this active Ethernet network approach or an Ethernet network, and so you need to have these different buildings. I'm um, not a lot of them, but a few of them in the city of Saint uh, city of Minneapolis. <laughs> At some point, the city yeah. of Saint Paul, perhaps. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my city. Um, but but where you're doing that, then um, you need like uh, in a central location for uh, several neighborhoods and you have all of your fiber coming in there and you deal with that. It's your local um, office, um, central office. Correct. Right? Yep. Yeah. And, um, and so to get that permitted, you have to build a building or something like that. And, and you have to tell the city what you're going to do. And you tell the city, I need this building to do X, Y, and Z. And they look at you like you're talking in a different language. Um, I'm guessing because the zoning hasn't anticipated this kind of a building. Yeah, so the, the city has kind of these standard templates for types of buildings. If you wanted to build a gas station or a restaurant or, you know, the normal things that we see every day, there is a, a process for that. Then they have what they call the um, ex- exceptional use case. And our model is very similar. It's actually identical to the way that the original phone companies put Ma Bell, put their networks in. They would build a building in the neighborhood and they would run their copper cables out to everyone's home. Well, we're doing effectively the same thing. We're putting a building somewhere in the neighborhood and then we're running our fiber cables out to everyone's home and business. So what happens is when you need to build this building, you need to apply for a conditional use permit to go into the neighborhood. So now you fall into a whole separate process, okay? And, and the process is fairly well-defined, but if you'd never been through the process before, mm-hmm. it could seem very cumbersome. And I understand the city's point. You know, they don't want people building random this or that. So you go down and you have your architect drop your plans and you have all of your studies and your surveys done and you take it down to the city. You have a neighborhood meeting and you just go through what it's going to be and Six months later, you will get a stamp that says approved. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you build your central office and and then you operate it. First time we went through it, I was pulling my hair out because I didn't understand the process. You did a pretty good job. Well, yeah, not much left. (laughs) Um, This last time, well, luckily there's a guy that works for me that did most of it. But anyways, you know, it was was a more, we kind of knew what to expect. And I think when you're building these kind of networks, it's fear of the unknown. You know, you don't know how to navigate the city. You don't know how to navigate the, the, the permitting department, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but once you figure that out, mm-hmm. it's a fairly regimented and um, standardized process. For everything you do in the city, you got a permit. You just got to get used to that. Mm-hmm. And there's a permit and there's a timeline and there's a cost associated with that. There was someone at a conference I was at this year who actually, in regard to right-of-way processes, um, more for wireless for 5G, but but would be useful for this as well, who suggested that cities should have a one- or two-page document that just says, if you want to do this, here's how you go about it. Here are the steps that you have to go through. Because I think a lot of this stuff you had to just sort of figure out, right? I mean, there, there was no place where you could you could sort of prepare yourself. Okay, I'm going to do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think you probably had a sense. I'm going to do one, two, and three and see what happens next. The other thing you have to realize from the city's standpoint is in some of these neighborhoods we've been in, this public right-of-way hasn't been disturbed since the sewer and water lines were put in. Mm-hmm. Again, there's not, going back to the building, there's not this reoccurring process. So what what I think the city does really well is if you want to apply for 
this license or that license that they do every day. There's a process. But when you go down to like the city and say, hey, I would like to install fiber optic cables in the public right away deep in the neighborhoods, they, uh, mm-hmm. you, you got to kind of work with them to determine, you know, the process and how to do the permits and the costs and, you know, all this stuff. But once you get that momentum going, it's pretty straightforward, actually. Or once you get in the, in the plan, right? I mean, coming back to the beginning of, of this point yeah. is that is that if you can go in there and say, hey, I want to do this thing, and it's a part of the comprehensive plan, yes. you get a different reaction I, from I think you, you get you it certainly does help. But if you're starting out kind of Greenfield, right, we're going to mm-hmm. go into St. Paul. We're not in the plan. We've never worked with the city before. Um, You've heard rumors that they're difficult to work with because I keep telling maybe, you that. Yeah, we, yeah, no one's ever mentioned that they wanted us to even be there. Um, you, you, you just have to kind of start working through the process. We want how do we permit? Here's the permit process that works in Minneapolis. Here's, you know, here's what we've had experience before. Find a champion at the city to help work this through. And it can be very frustrating and, and take a lot of time, but I think ultimately you get there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, one of the the more fun things you get to do. In fact, you probably didn't have a chance to do this before. You raised your prices. We have this balance between the debt load we're taking, our costs to hiring people and you know insurance and et, et cetera, and then being able to fully cover a city. We've learned over the years there's certain areas of the city that our uptake is going to be higher than others. Um, right. So let's just yeah. fill in a little bit of background for people, again, who aren't familiar. You already have services available across the entire city. Yes. And so you built this wireless network and you have a sense of where more people wanted it than other people in other parts of the city. So you have a sense of absent even looking at any other data, you simply know how many people have come to you from how many city blocks and where to sign up for broadband. Correct. There, there's a desire for broadband. So we know where those pockets were. And, and so we were able to put our fiber facility down there first, A, because it resolved the contention of our wireless network. If you take a wireless node and you hook it up to fiber, you've got capacity. Um, and then we also knew where the people that wanted the consumption or wanted the internet were, were at. So we've been continuing to move out. Now, when we get into some of these these areas that the uptake isn't quite as, as good as it is in other areas, it puts a strain on the financials. So what we had to look at is say, where is that sweet spot between being the cheapest player in town to being the best value in town, which then gave us enough ammunition or enough financial capacity to facilitate our banking requirements so that we could go everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a spreadsheet exercise, honestly. And so by doing a, a what I would consider a relatively minor increase, it'll, it now gives us enough financial capacity that we can just literally go from east to west or north to south without trying to cherry pick areas that we know we can get the return on. And so another bit of context, I think, is that uh, you have long offered the greatest value um, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, I mean, your price of, was your entry price like $35 a month, right? Yeah, yeah. we started out at like 20, 30, then we went to 35, and now we're at 50. Right. That's where we'll stay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's worth noting you 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 like to talk about this a little bit. Um, people seem to like you on Yelp. Yeah, you, well, they they either like me or they hate me. You know, I, <laughs> well, there's man, not there's yeah. not very many who hate you, from what I can <laughs> no, tell. No, they just it's usually those the people that have us or the services available. 
five star all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like a four seven six. Yeah, right? four seven. Um, we we dropped to a four six. Oh. Uh, yeah, well, I learned that if you don't give a guy a dollar sixteen credit for his unused days when he canceled, he got mad. So we're fixing that, anyways. But um, <laughs> so he gave me a one star review after being with us for four years of perfect service. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just people that are like that, right? And then you have the people that are we're not there yet, and they're usually the crabby ones. Okay, so so actually, among your active customers, yeah. you're doing better than your rating might suggest because yep. some people are ranking you down because they can't take your service you got it or we have this little thing here in minnesota as you're well aware of called the weather Mm -hmm. you know the fundamental problem we have is weather we had a really brutal winter this year Mm -hmm. uh it's been a little slow going here in the getting ready for spring and summer and because our fiber facility is all underground and we freeze like an ice cube here we can really only build six seven eight months out of the year And so we have a lot of variables we're dealing with. And the thing that other people always forget, and I challenge people to, is Minneapolis is not a huge city by the mega city standpoints. Mm -hmm. But go buy a new pair of shoes and try to walk up and down every block. There's a lot of houses and a lot of blocks (laughs) and a lot of people that want service. And it just takes time. And it also takes a lot of money. It's the balance. And so in this case, you decided to raise your rates um, from 35 at the base to go. You increased the speeds that were available. You went to yep. $50. Yep. Now, now, if I sign up at $50, what check am I actually going to write you at the end of the month? $50. That's so weird. Yeah, no, there's no – and it's month to month. So there's no – none of these games where, well, here, sign up for 12 months and then maybe – you know, we'll play the the cable company lottery. I have cable at home. I don't know what my bill is every month. I'm always curious to see what it is. Mm -hmm. It's $50 a month. You get 300 megabit up and down, which is more than enough for most people. And that's it. And if cancel at any time, sign up at any time. I try to have this mantra inside the business, which be the customer. Mm -hmm. So how would you want to be treated and that's what we try to do. Right. And then you also have a gigabit for how much? Gigabit, 70. Mm-hmm. And then we have a, a 500 megabit in the middle, which is 60. Just because some marketing person told me I'd have three choices. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would literally at some point in the future, I would love to just be gigabit only. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a well, little yeah, we bit. We talked of, about that yeah, a little it's, bit. It's a little bit of an old school kind of marketing thing, you know, to be honest with you. But 300, 500 and a gig, they seem to be the right speeds for the right value and our adoption rate has never been higher right one of the things that you mentioned was that you saw very little um, um drop off from when you uh, raised the rates yeah we had i think we had 14 people cancel directly due to rates and i think last count nine of them signed back up mm-hmm. you know, well, they're still the best deal in town well there was that emotional arc you know mm-hmm. i'm mad at travis so therefore i'm going to cancel and show him and then they look at the other two options and go darn I better turn it back on because. <laughs> right. But let's be clear about this. You didn't do it because you're trying to buy your third house in the Caymans or something like that. This is what the spreadsheet tells you had to be done to be able to serve every last premise in Minneapolis. Yep. The banks have a very defined box you need to stay in. You know, you've got you've got three metrics that the bank uses to determine your ability to borrow money. And so I have to those three numbers have to be green every every mm-hmm. quarter. And in order to maintain that status and to continue growing, the, the thing in our network is, is if we actually stopped, we would be far more profitable. Sure. I can imagine that. Than if we continue <laughs> to expand. Right. Because, I mean, if you stop building, you would have almost no expenses. Yeah. I mean, if you can off the top of your head, I'm curious if you know 
Um, if you look at like the cost of you have for keeping everyone employed, your yep. customer service people, how does that compare to just the cost you shell out to expand your network every year? Oh, I'm just going to a little bit of wing it here, but three quarters of it goes to expanding. Mm-hmm than it does to actually maintaining and running what we have today. Yes. It's the beauty of fiber. We, we have a wireless group and a fiber group, and the wireless guys are always the super complicated you know, process of getting people connectivity. The fiber guys just plug people in, and you never hear <laughs> from them again. You know, so there is not a lot of ongoing costs to run the fiber network. So if you just took a year off, if in 2020 yeah. you said we're not going to expand anymore, you could basically Scrooge McDuckett. Oh, if if this was purely Travis needs to buy a bunch of houses and drive a bunch of cool <laughs> cars, I would not put I wouldn't lay another foot of fiber in the ground. Mm. There's enough in the ground that honestly I could live for the rest of my life comfortably. Yeah. But from a career standpoint, that isn't what we're trying to accomplish. I really want to be the first NFL city. I don't know why. I mean, I just think it's a personal yeah. goal of mine. It's because you, know? you love the football team it, it, so much. Yeah, we have one, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I, it's just, you know, getting service out there and getting people happy. And it's it's a little bit intoxicating to have the best product in our town. So when you come into a neighborhood, it's like the circus coming mm-hmm. to town. You know, everyone's excited about you. And there's, you know, a lot of heavy equipment and we're drilling and we're hooking people up. And, you know, at the end of the day... 99% of the people are happy. Right. And then there's a few people for whom, you know, one uh, one or two flowers on the corner property has been disturbed. Yes. Um, it's, it's what I tell my crews is make sure you have a stack of $20 uh, Starbucks gift cards because it's amazing how much that will solve a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's petunia got dug up. I, I apologize for that. We try not to, but a nice latte usually fixes it. Sure. Um, I hope they're able to get more than one for $20. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't been there forever. <laughs> and my, me as well. Um, so there's actually one thing I just wanted to throw on you, which I know you and I talked about a little bit, and that's that you know you put yourself out there when you build the network and people, some people have been critical. You got um, a really positive note from someone, and I think it's worth noting that people should do this. If they feel that they're getting really good service from a small company, they should send a note because it touched you. Oh, I almost fell out of my chair. You know, I was I was – I logged into Reddit where I usually have my fans and my non-fans. And I had a a young lady who had emailed me and said, hey, I just want to say thank you for your hard work because of the facility you brought to me. I was able to graduate college and I've got my degrees in various IT and I'm out looking for my first job. And she just said, thank you. And I'm, I was trying to find out where the, where the slam was here, you know, and she was just generally thanking us for all of our hard work. And I, I said, Hey, can I share it? And so I sent it to you and a bunch of my other friends. Hey, check this out. After 25 years in the internet business, we have one, (laughs) one person we touched positively. But if they couldn't watch Game of Thrones, oh man, <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> We'd have a mutiny. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it is amazing how something like that, or you know, if for instance you had a, an outage when a lot of people were streaming the Super Bowl mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, that, that's one of those things where you could, you know, you talked about your price increase. You lost yep. only a few people. You would lose a lot of people the next day. I think we had an issue in the winter where we had some ice freezing that caused us. We, remember, it was really cold here in February. I was in North Carolina yeah, for that week. Well, you're lucky. I was stuck here, but the. Uh, we had we had some um, some damage that happened on one of the fibers, and it took us like a day to you know get it fixed. And yeah, we had a, some real unhappy people, you mm-hmm. know, during that time. You know, I always go back to this water analogy. You know, when it just works, people just expect it to work. When it doesn't work, 
and you can't take a shower or you can't watch the you know your stuff or you can't do your work that's a real problem and these people are not afraid to voice that right that sentiment yeah as soon as it's back online they're emailing oh yeah yeah and then a few days later they forget all about it and you know back off uh, mm-hmm. off we go but we really try our best to minimize any sort of service interruptions that we can and so the last thing is and this is something that you had brought up with me when we were um, hanging out one time um, was uh, your hiring practices and I'm, I'm curious about this because I think you know this is something that um, small companies uh, local governments lots of different people that are hiring for these kinds of jobs which don't require a college degree in many cases for outside plant you're what are you looking for for someone when who's who's going to be putting conduit in the ground and things like that you know I, I honestly you know I didn't I went to college nine days. You know, I don't like to brag, so mm-hmm. I'm not a big... Um, You're like Doogie Howser. You got yeah, done in nine yeah, days. Yeah, I'm just not really... I'm not... I really, honestly, in all the years I've been doing this, I like to sit across from the person and get a feel for who they are. Can they show up to work on time? Do, you know, do they... Can they be reliable to get the task done that we need to get done? More so than what their resume says, I try to hire the person and the personality and, you know, we give people second chances. I have people that work for me that have a fairly jaded past. It's not my issue. As far as I'm concerned, they have taken care of that responsibility. And heck, you know, I wasn't super crazy when I was 18, but you know, I did some things and we all did that, mm-hmm. you know, we're 18, 19, 20 years old, some people. Uh, and so why should they have to not get a job from me? Because I really need their help. And they need a, a good paying job. It's a symbiotic relationship. So I don't get too caught up in much of anything other than the fact that I'm just like, hey, I got your back if you got my back. Everyone that works for me is spot on. You said some of those hires have been some of the people who may have had a background that would have caused other people not even to give them an interview. Some of them have been your best workers. Oh, I, I have a guy that went through a, a state-sponsored program, you know, where he was a, uh, you know, incarcerated and I forget the number, but he told me there was like 12,000 people that had gone through this program. And he was the only one who had a job when he got out in the entire history of the program. Mm-hmm. He's the greatest guy in the world. You know what? He made a mistake. Who am I to judge, mm-hmm. right? He's a great guy and he's a hard worker and he's there for us every day. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he paid his, he paid, he paid his ticket mm-hmm. and now he's back at work. And I've got, I've got many examples like that. So as far as I know, you're one of, of, of a small group of people that's listened to every episode. Yep. So when this comes out, are you going to listen to it? Oh, I always listen to it. And I always go, that's the way my voice sounds? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it's my Tuesday morning ritual. and um, Sometimes Wednesday morning. Sometimes yeah. Wednesday morning, much to my chagrin. But, you know, I, I do. Uh, I will text you and say, uh, is there a problem today? Right. But, no, I, uh, I, I do listen to it. And, you know, I try to try to. Try to try to just get the message out there. You know, I think a lot of people are, you know, they're they're worried about getting into this type of business. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of challenges. And there's a lot of things that happen that are outside of your control. But at the end of the day, it's very, very rewarding. So actually, that brings up another question for me, which is that you talk about this a lot. The nine days of college. Yep. Where did you learn all the financial stuff you need to know? Because you make the case that this is more about financial than anything else. Well, I'm really good at pretending, but I've got guys that work for me. My CFO and my financial guy, I mean, it's like watching Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen play mm-hmm. basketball. These guys are unbelievable. Well, some of it's rubbed off because, I well, mean, you just, I just back of the quiet. envelope stuff. I just sit and be quiet and listen. You know, when they're, you know, when it's technology or digging in the dirt, 
I'm there. I, you know, I, I, I've got all the I's dotted and T's crossed, but on this financial stuff, we actually have this joke internally. There's two types of money. There's cash that I'm used to. This mm-hmm. is the cash that we can use to buy a hamburger for lunch. And then there's spreadsheet money. And spreadsheet money is what we take down to the bank to get more cash <laughs> right. that we can spend. So you just got to find good people that know how to do this spreadsheet money. Mm-hmm. I'm real good at the cash side of it. <laughs> Great. Thanks for coming in today. Hey, thank you so much. It's always fun. That was Travis Carter, CEO of U.S. Internet, talking about what it's like to build a fiber optic network in Minneapolis. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 359 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <laughs>